everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. When Testimony first interviewed a legend in the field of missions work, Dr. Ron Post, we thought we had, quote, covered it. In a story that would highlight the unreached of the world, the faces, the places, and resources, bringing not only medical aid, help, and hope to the darkest of places, but a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and gloriously so. In short, the Great Commission fulfilled. But wait, not so fast, as you will soon hear. Enter in my next guest, who, like Dr. Post, left his cushy, thriving career to heed the call of God, and since 1998 has been doing just that, and powerfully so. Only this time, it's in places you never knew existed. The more in 24 you will hear about today. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a wonderful honor indeed, global evangelist and CEO of Unknown Nations, a worldwide and impactful nonprofit reaching the least and the lost and in every way, as well as author of his recently released memoir, Last Four Words, Make Jesus Known to the Ends of the Earth. Add to this drum roll, please. <laughs> a Western Michigan <laughs> University graduate and 1991 football MVP who no doubt is rejoicing with his state's historic win as Michigan University crushed Washington for a 34-13 victory for the CFP National Championship 2024 with the perfect 15-0 season and both coach and team giving glory to God in a Rose Bowl triumph that turned blue. But I digress. Please welcome a victorious story of another kind by Michigan's own Greg Kelly. Mr. Kelly, Greg, sir, welcome to Testimony. Oh my goodness, Jensen. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you. Appreciate that. A very kind and impressive introduction. We're so excited to be with you. Well, it is great to have you. First of all, before we begin, I want to give a shout out to our mutual good friend, Bruce Bush and wife, Jamie, who is kind enough to yes. suggest we connect and so glad he did. And secondly, mm. how about that Go Blue team? Can you weigh in? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were at the Ohio State game, which is always a treat to beat the Buckeyes. But, yeah, this year was absolutely special and uh, win it all. And then just to watch them give glory to the Lord. You're right, coach, players. I mean, there's just a super special culture about that place. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for that. First question, would you just share with our listeners how you, Bruce Kelly, came to faith in Jesus Christ your early beginnings, career, and, quote, call to fulfill a full-time mission ministry, otherwise known as Unknown Nations, and your goal to reach everyone. Greg, sir, please tell us that story. Well, actually, it was it's a missionary story. I was doing uh, 
challenge that a lot of parents find themselves in when they're telling their kids to uh, do what they say and not do what they did because I was that guy who uh, did the missionary dating. Uh, thankful for my wife now of over 31 years, Kathy. We have five amazing children, but at the time I was dating her and um, really not serving the Lord at all. And it was when I was 20 years old that I heard the gospel for the first time and walked on the altar, said the sinner's prayer, and, and really the seed of missions was planted that day because when I turned around, unbeknownst to me, there was a couple of gals standing next to Kathy who she had shared the story. And basically, hey, I love this guy, but if he doesn't come to Christ, there's no way I can marry him. And they were praying hard for me. And when I turned around, I saw tears in the eyes of people I had never met in my life. And it just so impacted me at their concern and care for me. And I think that really that seed, um, you know, carried with me because it's my conviction that there's no way um, we become the generation to fulfill Jesus' last words until we have that same element where our heart is broken for people that we'll never really meet face to face or know who they are. Um, and so I think I, I think I kind of carried that through my early years of uh, Christianity and was kind of in the insurance business, following my dad's 30 year State Farm career. And when someone invited me in 1995 to be a volunteer at a startup organization, um, and uh, my first encounter actually at, at the introduction was to take the brochure of the organization and throw it in the trash. <laughs> and and the, the whole the Holy Spirit immediately began to convict me, and I walked across this room. Um, and gave a verbal like, okay, um, to the Lord as I was kind of, uh, you know, like I thought, you know, too busy. I've got a young family just starting a business, but I reached in that trash can and pulled out this brochure of this organization, um, that two years later would ask me to become the, the CEO that I've been doing now for over 26 years. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Greg Kelly, author of his just released memoir, Last Four Words. Greg, I was impressed with the mission statement of unknown nations, making clear the following as stated in your organization's brochure and I list. One, the aim. Two, the strategy. Three, the impact. Four, the activators. Five, the opportunity. Talk about the aim, the strategy, and the impact and why supporting unknown nations is perhaps different from other, quote, mission-oriented organizations. In other words, one might say the greatest mission field is the United States of America and our mm -hmm. youth. But you state differently. Can you expound? Yeah, I think it really comes down to uh, all areas of the world and all of God's creation are priorities. Um, but he really spent special time and attention to the nations of the earth, and specifically those places that don't have a gospel witness, which is where the Lord has called us. So we would not say that our calling is any more important than the youth America, but what we would come down to and the aim and the goal of the, the places that have zero access, barrier-ridden, there's no churches, no pastors, no Bibles, those places continue to get the least of our attention. Now, when I first heard about that, and I've been here over 26 years, I, you, I was even hard-pressed to believe that there was such a sizable number of people without access to the gospel. So we're not talking about people that are not Christian, because there's a lot of Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims that are not Christian by choice. They've maybe been exposed to the gospel. But what we're talking about is the, the very specific attribute of someone who has never come in contact with Christianity from the time they're born 
until the time they go to eternity. And the reality is about 65,000 people are dying every day who fall into that category. And so uh, as we were convicted and confronted with that information, that became the exclusive target of our organization. We, we would, you would refer to them as unreached people groups. For us, the, the name unknown nations uh, is very appropriate when we think about that because that does state our strategy. It's the unknown nations. And we, we love what Paul said in Romans fifteen twenty, where he says, it's my ambition to preach the gospel where the name of Christ is not known rather than on another man's foundation. So that really becomes the target for us. There's a lot of places around the world that you could go to and you could feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in the ends of the earth. This is like, if this isn't the ends of the earth, you could probably see it from here, you know, that kind of a thing, because it's so remote. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get mixed up with the remoteness of a place in the access to the gospel of a place because there's so many places around the world that have lots of poverty and have lots of challenges. Haiti is a great example. Um, Haiti is a country you can go to, obviously in our own hemisphere, have lots of need. Um, There's lots of poverty. There's issues with clean water, with infrastructure, with corruption. Um, But the issue Haiti doesn't have is access to the gospel. It's one of two countries in the world that 100% of the population, when asked the question, do you know a Christian? The answer is yes. So do they have need? Yes. Are there non-Christians in Haiti? Yes. Do they have access to the gospel? Absolutely. And so for us, it's that last question, do you have access to the gospel? As that answer is no, that's where we charge in and where we have built our infrastructure to attack. And it happens to be a third of the world's population. We're not talking about some obscure people group of 50,000 people off the shores of Madagascar that we just found out about in 2024. We're talking about over two and a half billion people that fall into that category. And it's just, it's just not acceptable on our watch as we're stewarding the great commission uh, that we're, we're not giving it enough attention in the body of Christ. And that really is a charge and um, an activator of, of unknown nations as we're trying to steward this mission. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Greg Kelly, CEO of Unknown Nations and author of his just released memoir, Last Four Words. Greg, that's what struck me about your book. The fact that there are many organizations out there that say they are mission minded, they're supporting missionaries. But what does that mean in a real practical and measurable uh, result and you seem to provide that and the stats at least from the brochure that I read and your book which is fantastic by the way ladies and gentlemen I recommend you pick up a copy of last four words by Greg Kelly next question is there one story that stands out above all others in your 25 plus years of traveling the world and seeing the dark the dangerous and the unreached? Well, uh, we, we could write a whole book on stories, but there's a number that really stand out. And I, and I think it, it comes down to uh, going into these places where the gospel's not been, bringing the light of the gospel and watching the Holy Spirit touch people's lives that result in multiplication. We, we're really convicted uh, and convinced that not only has the Bible given us the instruction on, on what to do, which is 
we need to make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus told us in the Great Commission. But how to do it? And that's really found in Second Timothy two two, where Paul says um, it's the multiplication verse. It's this it's this notion that I'm going to make a disciple who's going to make a disciple who's going to make a disciple. So it's four generations of sharing. That that's Second Timothy two two. It's the multiplication verse. So it's not just about me telling one person, but it's about doing intentional evangelism in such a way that as I seed the gospel with one person, I'm empowering them to go and share the gospel with another. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, share with faithful men and women who will share with others. That's what that verse says. And so when I think about that verse all coming together, I think of a people group called the Coma. It's a, it's a nation or a people group inside of the country of Nigeria that didn't have a single Christian among them. 60,000 people, not one known Christian. And as a missionary came, a, an indigenous leader came to a local church and said, you know, there's these people who live up on the, on the top of this mountain. They've never heard of Jesus. We don't know of a Christian among them. And they're headhunters. I mean, who, who wants that assignment, right? <laughs> and, and, and one of my dearest friends responded to that. Uh, that very opportunity left a, a great government job um, and said, I'll go learn their language uh, from also Nigeria and lived among them for three years and began to see fruit of the seeds of the gospel. And as one, two, three began to come to know Christ, uh, it turned into a tsunami. And now when you go to the base of the mountains where these people are from called the Atlantica mountains, you'll find settlements in every direction. It just blows you away. As I was there and I saw it, I couldn't believe it because I said, who are the people that are down at the base of this mountain? And they said, that's Coma people. I said, the, the unreached Coma? They said, no, no. Every single settlement you see at the base of these mountains, every 100% of the people you see are followers of Jesus. Wow. All because of one man. One man. And I think that's that kind of conviction that we need to see that, that is really, quite honestly, a lesson of, out of the, the, the playbook of the one-way missionaries of the late 1800s and early 1900s who would be so motivated to come to Africa. Of course, all of Africa was unreached at that time. And they would pack all their belongings in caskets because they knew it was a one-way trip. And I think today we've lost a little bit about of that because we want to play it safe. We want to go to the Guatemalas and Hades, and I'm not... I'm not uh, diminishing any of those kind of works, but they're safe places. They're places where there's lots of a Christian presence. The gospel has already penetrated those places, even sub-Saharan Africa. Most people don't realize that sub-Saharan Africa is more Christian than the Bible Belt in America. Yet we continue to pour resources into places like that and say we're doing the Great Commission. So we need to begin to think a little bit differently when it comes to fulfilling Jesus' last words. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Greg Kelly, Global Evangelist, his latest must-read, Last Four Words. Greg, you talk about the distribution of audio Bibles, otherwise known as you call it, quote, the treasure. Talk about how it came about and its effectiveness in combating illiteracy while delivering the word and saving the soul, remarkable, the testimonies I read. Can you expound on one that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the early 90s, we were doing a lot of various 
things and outreach and just, um, you know, impacting areas, try to share the gospel in different ways, humanitarian and short-term mission trips. And, and someone came into my office one day with this, this audio player that looked like a book. It was like a tape cassette player. And they, and they challenged me to do that and to, to look into it. I didn't understand what that tape player represented, but I did some basic research and I found that the most conservative data, this is UN census. So this is 195 countries self-reporting all kinds of, uh, of issues that, that they're dealing with, including illiteracy. And the most conservative data says there's over 1 billion completely illiterate adults in the world. And that number just was staggering to me. I had no idea there were so many people illiterate, but uh, what's really happened in the missions communities have done a great job of unpacking uh, it even deeper through the issue of orality. And orality simply means what is your preference of learning? And an oral learner is someone who prefers to learn in a non-literate way. So it mushrooms that number of 1 billion to nearly two-thirds of the world's population prefer to learn in a non-literate way. And so that becomes critical then in the delivery of the, the, the gospel, the good news, the, the word of God, which historically, and we work in um, just right in lockstep with Bible societies and Bible translation organizations, it's critical work. But for, for many years, they were in the mindset of identify a language, translate the language, print the language, distribute the language, find the language, translate the language, distribute it, and they would move on. They would move on with printed Bibles, realizing that two-thirds, in some cases many more, of the people are not, it's not penetrating their heart. And so when we distribute the solar-powered audio Bible, it's, it's bringing the gospel into the heart. And we've heard so many stories. One of the gals from the country of Congo, war-torn Congo, we had met her. Yes. And she was someone who recently came in contact with the gospel, and we were told she had such a hunger for it, but she'd never read in her life. And they told us that she makes charcoal for a living, so... You know, nothing to be ashamed of. They're a hard worker, but she's the person living on a dollar a day, right, making charcoal. And they said she was taking 40% of her income, and she was renting somebody to read the Bible to her. And we were just so impacted by that story that we, we, we found her, and we gave her a bunch of our treasures. And she has become a, an amazing evangelist and church planner all throughout that whole region just because of her hunger for the word of God. So there's people out there, these oral learners are not stupid. Uh, not at all, far from it. Uh, they say when an elder dies in Africa, a whole library is lost. So these people um, are, are not not smart. They, they just are oral learners and we need to empower them with tools like the treasure so that they can multiply in the evangelism efforts. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Greg Kelly, author Last four words. Greg, your simply crafted but beautifully communicated last four words, make Jesus known to the ends of the earth, is a riveting read, my view, and harnesses the heart of Jesus in reaching the least of these, not quote the least of these in God's eyes, but in our eyes, if we miss our opportunity to engage where men have feared to go. Your work these past 25 plus years is proof and shouts, quote, with God, all things are possible. And to this point, the four simple words God gave you when you asked him, how do I do this? His answer back to you was, quote, man, 
on the moon. Can you talk about that amazing story? Yeah, I, I, I can remember. I was sitting in my kitchen and was asking the Lord to give me kind of a sticky concept that people will help understand because this idea of the Great Commission, I think so many times in the body of Christ, we say, well, that's just for the missionary. That's for the, the David Livingston, the person who's going to get on a plane and go to a faraway uh, nation and share the good news. And, and what my conviction is that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave it for all of his followers. Everybody in the body of Christ is to have a role. And so uh, the Lord just just spoke to me as I was asking him to help me deliver that idea. I said, man on the moon, man on the moon. And I began to research that. And of course, JFK gave the assignment uh, in the early 60s that we will be the first country to put a man on the moon before this decade is over. So the 60s he's speaking about and what that set in motion is the greatest amount of non-military spending in the history of our country proportional to the budget. And so it it launched literally thousands of research uh, entities, hundreds of universities, uh, nurses, seamstresses, uh, even divers and uh, people of all walks of life, engineers, scientists, by the thousands who were getting behind this. And, And the concept behind it was all of these thousands and thousands of individuals who participated in the task of putting literally two men who walk on the moon. They all weren't walking on the moon, but without their participation, the man on the moon never happens. And that is the visual of the gospel, because we may not be the person who's going to that far removed tribe that has never heard of Jesus, but they don't get there unless there's someone praying for them, There's someone giving resources for them. There's someone encouraging them. Um, Without that collective effort, that work doesn't happen. And the body of Christ needs to embrace that and just simply ask the Lord the simple question, what is my expression of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Amen and amen. Um, I'm reminded of the story of the kiln, K-I-L-N, brick in Muslim countries People are slaves to owners that are making them make their bricks, uh, abuse their wives, their daughters. But you have one such story that brought salvation to one such family. And the ripple effect of that was what? Well, in, in this, uh, this country, there's uh, over 4 million slaves just today, living today that are, are serving in these brick kilns. And the only way you can access them is to approach the Muslim brick owner and to pay them. And in many instances, you're paying two and $3,000 just to get the audience to speak with the slaves. And we went to one of these, these brick kilns and we, we shared the good news. Now, they gave me the opportunity. This is a huge, huge privilege. I'm standing in front of 100 slaves. And right before I got up to speak and to, to encourage them, um, the group just literally split in half. And there was a woman in the back who was walking towards me. And I could tell she had something in her hands. It was a cold day. I couldn't really tell exactly what was going on because she was approaching me pretty aggressively. And she got up to me and she handed me her infant child. And she, she basically through a translator said, I cannot bear the thought of my daughter being raised in this brick kiln and being abused as I have been for almost 10 years now being sexually abused, being taken from my husband, uh, being beaten, watching my husband being beaten, uh, and I can't bear the thought of it. 
and I just didn't know what to say. I never had someone want to give me their child. Right. Um, but I looked back at her and I said, I am so sorry. I can't even imagine, but just give me a few moments. And what I'm about to share is going to change not only your life, but your daughter's life. And so she sort of reluctantly took her child back and she went and sat down and I shared the gospel and she amongst almost all of these slaves received Jesus that day. And afterwards she came up to me and, and she told she, I mean, her eyes, they just like, they literally physically looked different than when she had come up. So much despair and anguish and desperation had just vanished. And she had a sparkle in her eye and she said, I understand. I now have received Jesus. And I went back um, about a year later um, and I, I met with the same family and this very woman had been activated in such a way that God was using her to share and minister with other. I watched her participate in helping baptize 55 slaves in the very kiln that she was being sexually abused from. The <laughs> revival had broken out in that kiln and she uh, told these slaves, she said, we have been entrapped physically but Jesus has set us free and we need to share this word with other slaves. She's literally going into other slaves around this country and sharing her message of salvation. Absolutely incredible. Last question. As a husband to your beautiful bride, Kathy, father of five and grandfather, what is the great takeaway for you personally in writing your memoir, Last Four Words, and what do you want it to be for them and our listeners? Well, I think all of us need to ask uh, ourselves the same question, which is what is my expression? And Jesus' last four words were ends of the earth. 99 out of 100 Christians don't have an expression of that because they don't understand what it is. So my first challenge to myself, to my family, and to our listeners is that we need to recognize Jesus didn't call us to countries but he called us to nations, people groups. And there's so many, in fact, out of the 17,000 nations or people groups in the world, they still say there's over 3,000 that are 0.00% Christian. So I tell people all the time that before Jesus told us to go, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. We need to have the language of heaven, which is the language of these nations on our tongues, as we're praying to the Lord of the harvest for the Yadav, for the Pashtun, for the Munya Yaya, those are nations that Jesus died for. So I think for all of us, the, the word of encouragement is to find that expression by identifying a nation that we can pray for and find ways through unknown nations or, or another organization where we can participate actively to getting the gospel where it's never been. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to global evangelist, author, and CEO of Unknown Nations, Greg Kelly, who's recently released memoir, Last Four Words, Make Jesus Known to the Ends of the Earth, is a must-read. You can learn more about Greg Kelly's work, ministry, and mission by visiting unknownnations.com and get his book Last Four Words at amazon.com or wherever books are sold. You will be blessed, inspired, and given great hope that you too can make Jesus known by fulfilling his last four words to the ends of the earth and strategically so. Mr. Kelly, Greg, sir, 
thank you for taking precious time to share your heart, your life, your journey, and life's work, and just how you are taking the gospel with the hands and feet of Jesus, literally, to the ends of the earth through your organization, aptly named Unknown Nations, biblically, practically, and in every way with the Holy Spirit behind you and God to guide you. There is no place too dark, too far, or too far gone that Jesus can't reach and will. You've done it. You know. And with your latest great read, last four words are leaving a legacy to show us all how we thank you. God bless you. And may we all heed those last four words to the ends of the earth. God bless you. Thank you, Jensen. Great to be with you on Testimony. What a privilege. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.